All right, let's do a little exercise. Y'all ready for this? Throw your hands in the air and shake them like this and holler, Jesus! Jesus! All right, now I need you to get involved. I'm a participatory preacher, right? If you do some head nodding and some amening and some hallelujah, we'll get out of here a lot early. Even if I'm not very good, just flatter me, okay? It gets, it gets me pumped up and it gets me going. I was in bed Sunday night and, and this song came in my head. You all have heard it, I'm sure. He says, he's making diamonds. You know that song, he's making diamonds. It says he's making diamonds out of dust. He's making diamonds out of us. You all know the, know the song? Think about how diamonds are made. Think about dust. We don't want dust anywhere on us. We don't want it on our skin. We don't want it in our houses. We spend our time wiping it off the dash of our vehicles. We wash our vehicles because it's on there. Right? My wife dusts the house because there's dust in there. Get it down. We take showers to get the dust off of us, but we pay good money for diamonds. A lot of money. A lot of, if you got a big diamond, you could be rich from it. A rock that was formed out of dust through, what, through, through pressure. Think about that. The only difference in the dirt and the diamond is pressure and time. That's it. God applies a lot of pressure to a dirt. It becomes a rock. It becomes a diamond through pressure and time. That's the only difference in them. But we, but we covet diamonds and we don't want dust around us. Think about that. God wants to transform our lives, but through our childish wisdom, we ask God to change our circumstances. We don't want the pressure on us, right? We don't, we don't want the turmoil. We don't want the things that it takes, the pressure that it takes to make us into a diamond, to form us into something else besides the dust. We came from the dust of the earth, did we not? The Bible says he scraped us up. Breathe life into us, and muscles and tendons and bones formed. A heart started beating and pumping blood, and a man got up and walked away. Think about the miracle in that. But he wants to transform that pile of dust into a diamond. But we ask God in our childish wisdom to change our circumstances. Take the pressure off me, Lord. I don't want the pressure on me. When our circumstances are what's forming us or reforming us, God wants our circumstances to change us to change us into something else that, that, that we're not right now or something better than what we are right now. Does that make sense to you so far? Mm-hmm. We could wake up tomorrow and God's made everything just the way you wanted it to be, and you'd still be miserable. Think about it. Here's an example. I know people, I know a few people who want or chase after cars and wealth and, and houses and, and fine clothes, and they want a trophy spouse. Men want a wife that's, 10, 15, 20 years younger than them. You've seen it happen a lot of times, right? Many of you can think of someone right now in your head who you're thinking about, but they're still not happy. See, they want that trophy spouse with a certain body build and and all those things, but they forget about what the marriage will be like when they get this trophy spouse who doesn't love them anyway. They want them for nothing more than the house and the car and what they can give to them, right? As an older, more stable man, they want them just for that reason. They don't think about the marriage and the turmoil that's going to cause in their life later on. So they get what they want, they strive after what they want, they get what they want, and they're still not happy with it. Ultimately, it's their self they're not satisfied with. Church, ultimately, it's ourselves that we're not satisfied with. We're not good enough, no matter how good you think you are. We're not good enough. I'm not speaking down to anybody today. This speaks to everybody. God don't just fix the external, though. See, humans can only fix the external. He wants to transform us from the inside out. 1 Corinthians 13 and 11 says, when I was a child, it's Paul speaking. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish ways. You see, humans can only change superficially on the outside. 
I tried to quit smoking before I came to God, and I'd lay them down, and I'd pick them back up, and I'd lay them down, and I'd pick them back up, and I'd try to be a better person, but I'd pick up back the old habits that I used to have because I could only change on the outside. I could only change what man saw. See, we can only change superficially, but God transforms supernaturally. From the inside out, God changes our heart. He changes our mind. He changes our thought process. And when we change supernaturally from the inside out, it's a true change. It's a change that'll stick with you. It's a change that'll stay there, right? And it doesn't have to be just sin. It can be changes of showing God's love everywhere that you go, right? It's time for us to grow up spiritually, church. I'm talking to all of you. I'm talking to all of us, not just all of you. It's time for us to continue to grow spiritually. Some of us are growing. Some of us are not, There's a problem with that because we're all one body. And if you're not growing, you're looking lopsided sticking out here. You ever seen somebody with a lot smaller arm on one side than the other side? It doesn't quite work right. I'm not picking at those people, but it doesn't quite work right. And it looks odd, right? People stare at them for that. We're kind of in the same boat, church. Some of us are growing up spiritually and some of us are not. It's time for us to grow up spiritually, move from superficial to supernatural. Stop trying to change it yourself and depend on God. Ask God to change the things about us that we need to change. You may not think that you you may not even see the things that need to change about you today. Sometimes I may not see the things that that need to change about me. But if we'll ask God and we'll depend on him and we'll hand it to him, he'll show us for sure. He'll put pressure on us in that area. And you can move away from the pressure or you can... Let God put that pressure on you and turn you into a diamond in that area. Turn you into something that reflects him in that area. By learning to trust God, you say, how do we do that? It's by learning to trust God and to lean on God. You say, Pastor, you say that all the time. We talk about that all the time. It's through the refining fire. Through the refiner's fire. You see, a forced fire, it it destroys without discrimination. Doesn't discriminate at all. Think about a forest fire. It burns down the poor man's house with the rich man's house. It burns down the big trees with the weeds. It kills animals. Chases them out of their habitat. It destroys everything in its path. An incinerator consumes completely. Whatever you put in an incinerator, you pull ashes back out. It consumes all the energy out of everything. There's nothing left in it. But a refiner's fire refines. Think about what the word refinement means. It refines, it purifies, it separates the impurities that ruin the value. Think about that, like gold or silver. It it separates the impurities. It leaves silver or gold intact. All the other things float to the top, and and they sift them off the top of it over and over and over again. They don't just do that in one time. You don't get refined in one shot. You got to continue to be refined and continue to be refined. And maybe you're refined in one area of your life, but you need to be refined over here. Whatever that may be for you, we all need some refinement, though. It's through the refiner's fire. Malachi 3, 1 through 4. I only have four verses today. I'm going to try to get you out of here. Not too late. Verse number 1 says this. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Who's his messenger there? This is God talking. Malachi in Hebrew, probably not a lot of you all know this, but Malachi in Hebrew means my messenger. That's the name of Malachi's name, my messenger. So was he talking about Malachi? Was he talking about John the Baptist? Was he talking about Jesus? I think he was talking about all of them, right? Because Malachi and John the Baptist both prepared the way for Jesus. And Jesus came to do what? Jesus came and made a way for people to be transformed, to be saved or reconciled back to God, to be his temple. 
He prepared a way for God, for us to be God's temple and the Spirit of God to move inside of us and dwell inside of us and live inside of us so that we could prepare or so, so that we could, we could worship him 24-7 in God's presence 24-7. Think about in the Old Testament. In Malachi's day, they couldn't go into the holiest of holies. They had to go to a priest once a year or when they had a, when they had a, a festival or something, they would go to the priest and take, their, take their, their animal to be sacrificed and he would go in and do it for them. Now, since Jesus came, since Malachi and John the Baptist cleared the way for Jesus, prepared the way for Jesus Christ to come, he was the ultimate sacrifice. Now we're forgiven of sin. We can be made clean. We can come through that blood of Jesus, be made clean, and the Holy Ghost lives inside of us. The Spirit of God, do you get how big that is? The Spirit of the Almighty God lives inside of you now. That's what they cleared the way to do. That's what they prepared the way to do. <clears throat> it goes on to say this, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Where's his temple at? Right here, right? I'm his temple. You're his temple. The church is his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And two says this, those who think they stand alone, I'm not reading that. Those who think they stand alone, though, discover they can't. We have to come in God's presence and lift him up. It requires us, it requires a brokenness to be saved, though, right? To, to have Jesus, have the spirit come inside of us, to be his temple. It requires a brokenness. Because when I was in the world, I was trying to figure things out on my own and do it on my own. This means, yes, some of you all did the same things. If you'd be honest, all of you all did the same things. If we'd be real honest, most of us still do the same things. We still try to figure things out on our own. Instead of going to God first, we go to our bank account first. We go to our, our spouse first. We go to our boss first. We go to a man first. Man will fail you. We should be going to God first. How silly are those actions to go to a man first? But it requires us, it requires a brokenness. It requires us to lower ourselves down and to lift him up, to humble ourselves. Humility. Those who think they can stand alone, have to discover that they can't to become into that relationship with Jesus, to come through that blood of Jesus and be saved. And then verse 2 says, But who can endure the days of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a lander of soap. That lander of soap right there means, means uh, alika or alakai. I don't know how you say that name. But it was used to whiten cloth. It was a symbol of the purifying process, Right? God opposes, James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud and, and gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. But we're talking about a refiner's fire or a lander of soap right here. The spiritual transformation is only possible when we humble ourselves. We can only be cleansed when we humble ourselves. When we come to the end of our childish wisdom and, and wanting it done our way and submit to God's plans. That's hard to do sometimes though, right? Because I want it my way still... Most of the time I want it done my way and I want it when I want it. Church, we're not at Burger King. He's God. He calls the shots. We got to do it his way and we have to su submit to his plan. Then our hearts can be changed. Though. When we submit to God's plan, our hearts can be changed. The people of Malachi's day, listen to this and see if it doesn't sound familiar to you. The people of Malachi's day, through motions, through, through, through just motions, they brought an offering, but it was religious duty, right? They brought an offering to the church to be sacrificed, but they didn't really want God to change them. They didn't want to change from God. They didn't want change in their life. 
Think about us today. We might come in, we pay our tithes, we come to church every Sunday, we dress up, we get the kids all bathed and, and dressed, get them bathed on Saturday night so we can get in here on time on Sunday morning. We might even have a job in the church. We might be teaching Sunday school. Are you following me? We might be driving the bus. Whatever the job is, we might be cutting the grass. But do we really want change in our life? Really quiet here, huh? Church, do you really want change in your life? The offering don't make the worshiper acceptable to God. You see, they brought this offering in so they could be forgiven of their sins. But that, that offering wasn't what made the worshiper acceptable to God. The worshiper, your heart, makes the offering acceptable to God. We've got it backwards so many times, though, church. When we get saved, God accepts us just the way that we are. But he won't leave you that way. If you got saved and you changed a little bit of things, if you changed a few things, God doesn't want you to stay right there. He wants you to constantly be changing, constantly, just like that refiner's fire. They got to scoop the junk off the top, and then they, they, they cook it some more, and then they scoop the junk off the top again. All the impurities got to continue to come off, and the, and, and the more that stuff comes off, the more pure they become. God will not leave you that way. Transformation comes as we continually hope and trust in God. Are you following me here? Verse 3 says this. God will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. Now think about this. God sits. If he's sitting, he's waiting, right? Because a goldsmith or a silversmith waits for, and sometimes he leaves the silver over the fire. After he, he, he first puts that gold or that silver in there, he'll scoop the impurities off the top. And then has to heat some more. And it separates them. Then he scoops the impurities off. But once he gets so far into the process, it takes, it takes longer to have the rest of the impurities raised to the top. Think about this now. Can you picture this? It takes longer to have them raised to the top. So sometimes he'll just back off and watch the pot, watch it cook. Are you following me? And then when he sees his reflection in there, then he knows to go back. He knows it's starting to look right. He goes back and takes the rest of it off. Um, he leaves, he leaves the silver, the silversmith leaves the silver over the fire, though, till he sees his reflection. Trust God and lean on God through the situation, church. That's what I'm talking about. Through the heat, through the refiner's fire, through the pressure that's on you, we have to trust God and lean on God to know that he knows what we need, yeah. right? He knows what we need. He knows when, when we need to be out of the heat. He knows when we need, we need the impurity sifted off of us. We're being refined, but we can't try to figure out on our own, um, when we're trying to figure things out and we're worrying, it hinders our refinement. Philippians 4, 6, this, this scripture meant a whole new thing to me, and she doesn't have it. I'm just going to kind of quote it to you. Um, this scripture, it gave a whole new light to the scripture when I was studying this out. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry, instead pray. And, and thank God for what he's done. Basically praise God through the situation and rely on God. He doesn't say, don't worry, instead figure it out on your own. He says, instead, he says, don't worry, but rely on God. Give it to God. God already knows your needs, but give it to him and thank him for what he's already done for you. I'm not saying don't ever do anything for yourself because if your problems with finances and God's give you a job, go to work, take care of your job, pay your bills, pay your tithes, but lean on God for the rest of it. If you're still struggling for something else and you're doing those things, then you lean on God for his understanding. You lean on God for what he can do for his ability. Does that make sense to you? So we have to learn to trust in God through tough situations. Not that we don't do anything to get ourselves out of it, but we can't rely on ourselves to get ourselves out of it. Does that make sense? Am I conveying that right? God will finish the work he started. 
if we'll rely on him, if we'll pray to him and rely on him. See, when silver comes out of the ground, it's 1% silver and 99% other minerals, metals, and dirt. Think about that. What do you think that looks like? A big ball of junk. 1% of it is silver. The other, men, the, other are, the other 99% are minerals, metals, and dirt. So can we say that we're 1% silver when God plucks us out and saves us? We're 1% silver, and the other 99% are sin and lust and, and anxiety and worry and grief and addiction. Does that make sense when we compare them like that? The ore, though, all these things are crushed and sifted and heated in the fire until the refiner sees his reflection. You get that, the importance of that? When God sees his reflection in you, you've been refined. You've been refined. Our reflection, just like what Dina was talking about about her daughter, our reflection, God should reflect through us all the time into the world. All this junk is skimmed off repeatedly. It has to be skimmed off repeatedly to get this surface of this metal that's heated to a liquid to shine, to be able to see his reflection in it. Too many want to stay where it's comfortable at, though. Too many of us want to give up some of the big pet peeve sins or some of the worry, a little bit of it, a little bit of this or a little bit of that, but we want to stay right there when we get comfortable and we're good enough. We think that we're good enough, but we're not good enough because God wants us refined until he sees his reflection in us all the time, not just part of the time. We want to stay where it's comfortable at, though. Humility opens the door for, for grace to forgive and to be saved, right? We had to be lowered to lift him up to be saved, did we not? But that same humility further enables us to accept God's purpose in our lives, to reflect him to the world. You see what I'm saying? We have to be humbled all throughout our Christian walk, not just humbled to be saved and then come in and think that I'm, I'm good enough, I'm pretty good, I'm better than those people over there, because look at them and look at me. I'm not that big sinner anymore. I don't get drunk anymore. I don't, I don't do dope anymore. I don't do those things anymore. So I'm better than them somehow. We're not humble anymore, church. We got ourselves lifted up. We're not humble anymore. We have to lower ourselves so that that humility will enable us to see God's purpose in our life. And when we see God's purpose in our life, then we may not mind. We may not. We may not mind the pressure on us so much because we're being refined. Refined. This makes me think about a gun. When I, I I can buy a cheap gun and it's not so refined. You see, when you pull the trigger on it, it's gritty. It's dirty. It feels like it's got a handful of sand in it. The action's not very smooth. The difference a lot of times in a cheap gun and an expensive gun is they spend time refining it. They spend time polishing all the parts inside of it, making it where they just glide over each other and the action feels like butter and it's got a smooth, light trigger on it. Does that make sense to some of you all rednecks? (laughs) It makes sense to me like that. This transformation reflects God's glory and grace of God. In in verse 4, it says this. Then the offering of, of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the year, as in the days of old, as in former years. So he was saying, once you do these things and you're refined, then your offering comes back and your heart, your heart condition makes the offering acceptable to me. Isn't that what he's saying here? God has achieved, or God has achieved his purpose when we reflect his image. He wants to purify our lives so we reflect him in everything. Listen to this. An occasional reflection of Jesus is not good enough. It's not good enough. We call ourselves Christians. We should be followers of Christ all the time. And it's only through refinement. It's only through refinement. And we can't refine ourselves. We need God to put the heat on us. We need God to put the pressure on us sometimes so that our hearts can be changed, that our minds can be changed. We need continuous change. 
When we have that continuous change, it'll cause rudeness to be kind, loving words. Right? It'll cause arrogance to stop and take time to deal with someone, stop and take time to minister to somebody. It'll cause addiction, the chains of addiction, it'll cause it to be freedom. It'll cause worry to become peace when we have that constant, that constant refinement. You have to repeat the process as many times as possible, little church. We never, we never arrive. We have to be willing to accept correctness. Or accept correctness. Yes, you see, gold that's ten karat gold, it's not as refined as gold that's fourteen karat gold, right? They're both Christians. One's more refined. Gold that's twenty-four karat gold is more refined than gold that's fourteen karat gold. Which one's more valuable? The one that's the most refined is the most valuable to God. Think about that. What if we stop during the process? What if you put this 1% silver in this pot and 99% junk in this pot and you started cooking it down and it turned up into a big ball of stuff and a little bit floated off the top and you skimmed it off, but then you shut the fire off because you don't want to be in the fire. You don't want to go through the trials that you have to go through to be a Christian. There's going to be trials if you're a Christian. And if y'all been around very long, you already know. And if there's not, if you're not in a trial right now, hold on, there's going to be one. So if you shut the fire down, you don't want to be in in the fire anymore. You don't want to have the pressure on you anymore. What do you think that ball of junk in there looks like? It's going to look like junk. That's where a lot of us are stuck at, church. Looking like we got junk in our lives. We need to ask God to refine us. We need to ask God to turn the heat back up on us as necessary. A lot of people don't like to pray for patience. It's terrible to go through what you got to go through to get it. But some of us need it. Some of us need that refinement. If we stop during the process, it'll look terrible. And what happens to the value? The value plummets on it, right? It's not worth as much. Uh, silver in that form would not be worth as much as this ring. Are you following me the same way? It would not be worth as, worth as much. Now, some of us have came. I'm going to talk about Anthony for a minute. Oh, I got his attention now. He's perked up. <laughs> Anthony, when he came to our church, he was, he was a mixed up young man. And he was, had, had some thoughts and this and that. And, and, and he's came. He's, he's improved tremendously since he's been here, right? God has refined him. His, his mom's back there shaking her head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he has grown up tremendously spiritually, I'm talking about. He's grown up physically also. What have you guys been here for, a couple of years? Something like that? In two years, he's grown up tremendously spiritually. He's grown up physically. He's get, I think he's bigger than me now. But uh, I'm not sure if he was when he came here or not. But he's growing up. Spiritually, though, he's grown by leaps and bounds. Are you following me? Tony. She's not in here today, so I can talk about her, too. She came here. I got her off the line at Ford. She came here. She wasn't in a relationship with God. She believed in God from before, but she came here. She thought she was going to clean the church, and before she got to clean the church, guess what happened? She became a Sunday school teacher, and through the preparation of her lessons, it's grown her tremendously. I mean, when you prepare for a lesson, it stretches you out tremendously in your knowledge of God, and it grows you spiritually. Are you following me? And I'm not just picking on these people because they have a job in the church because you don't have to have a job in the church to grow spiritually, right? You don't have to have a physical job in the church to grow spiritually. Katie, our daughter, she's grown tremendously. Not that she was anywhere bad before anything, but when we came here, she was a shy, timid young lady, right? About 18 years old, 17, 18 years old. She was shy and timid and didn't know about this job up here. Now she's blossomed into a praise and worship leader. Her voice has gotten better. Spiritually, she's gotten stronger. Um, and I can tell on her a little bit because she's my daughter also, but we, at home, it's not a bad thing. My wife's making a real funny face at me. 
when we're at home, and Katie, Katie, she's still a 21-year-old girl, so her mouth gets the best of her sometimes, or, or, or her actions or something will get ahead of her thoughts. It's a good way to put it, right? She'll storm off downstairs sometimes, and she'll get convicted, and she'll come back upstairs and apologize. Most 21-year-olds don't do that, but she's matured this far because she's allowed God to refine her. She's allowed God to leave the pressure on her. Me, I've matured a lot since we've been to this church. Since we came here, I couldn't, I, I didn't preach. Well, I still don't preach like some of the best of them do, but, but I've gotten a lot better and a lot more comfortable and a lot more fluent than I was. I told Sister Linda this morning, I said, I've just got better at hiding my nerves and hiding some mistakes and things I made. But she's doing some of the same stuff that I, that I used to do and I still do sometimes. However, some of us have grown like that by leaps and bounds in the last three years, three and a half years we've been here, I think. But some of us have been here two or three years and done nothing. Think about it. Which category are you in? There's two categories there. Some of us have moved a little bit off of it, but then since then, we've pretty much done nothing. We haven't been refined anymore. You get what I'm saying, right? Does that make sense to you? If you read on into verse 5, we're not going to read it today, but he starts talking about the judgment. If you're going to live in the church, if you're going to be part of the, part of the kingdom of God, if you're going to be in a relationship with God, you've got to know that he's, going to, he's, he's a refining fire. But you also have to know that when he comes back, there's going to be judgment. There's going to be judgment for what we don't let him refine us of. The Bible gives a clear definition for sin. For him that knoweth the good to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. So if he's refining something out of us and we step away from that pressure, if we turn the heat off on him, will we not be held accountable for that? Verse 5 says there's going to be judgment that takes place. I'm not trying to scare anybody today. But church, we got, we got to ask God to search our hearts. Ask God to look us over. We might think we're all right, but maybe he thinks something different than we think. Who's right? God's always right. He's God. So we need to ask God today. Take the time today, church, and ask God to search my heart. Lord, if there's anything in me that's not pleasing to you, purge it out of me. Take it away from me. I don't care what it is. Lord, there's nothing more important to me than you and my relationship with you. And my eternal security. I want to go to heaven and I want to live with you forever. And that's ultimately what we're being refined for, right? We're learning how to live right so when we get there, we'll fit right in. You're not going to want to not be refined and then go to where everybody else is refined. You're not going to fit in very well. And I don't believe God's going to let you do that. Because he says there's going to be judgment. So if we could just bow our heads today. and Make a commitment with God if you need to. Ask God to search your hearts if you need to, and that should be everybody. Deb, we thank you for this day, Lord. We love you, Father, and we praise you, Lord. I, I just want to let you know today, Father, that there's nothing more important to me than my relationship with you, Daddy, Lord. And I pray that you would search my heart, Lord. Show me if there's somewhere I'm not living right at, Lord. Show your church, Lord, if there's somewhere we're not living right at, Father God. Lord, refine us today, Lord. I ask you to turn the heat up on us. I know people don't want me to pray this on them. But I'm going to do it anyway, Lord, because that's what you've given me, Father God. Lord, make us into pure, Father God, gold, Lord, that reflects your image everywhere that we go, Daddy. Lord, refine us, Dad. We pray this to you in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. Have your way in our lives, Father. Cause us to continue to press to you, Daddy. 
In Jesus' name, we pray these things, Father. Lord, I pray that you would keep us safe, Lord. Bring us back here at our next appointed time. Lord, bring us back here this evening, Lord, with, with visitors, Father God. And Lord, I pray that you would touch the people who come into this house tonight, Lord, that your reflection would shine through us, Lord, onto them, Father. There may be people here who are unsaved, Lord, people who are looking for something here, Father. Lord, there's going to be testimonies given, and I know that your word says they overcame him, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, Lord. So I pray that we see souls saved here on this afternoon, Father God, whether they come to this church or the church down the street, Father, but we'd like to see souls enter your kingdom, Lord, on this, after, on this evening, Father God. And I pray that you would use some people from this church, Lord, from this local church right here, this congregation, to be able to pray through with them, Father. Lord, give them, give them that, Father God. I pray to you in Jesus' name, Father. Lord, we just praise you and we thank you, Lord. Amen.